RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Foy. As always, I am joined by Daniel Galvan. It is Wednesday, February the 22nd, 2023. Appreciate taking time out of your day to listen or watch this episode on the on whether it's YouTube or the podcasting platforms. Of course, a great way to show support for the show. Uh, give a rating and review if you listen to the audio side of it. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hit that thumbs up button. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. And, uh, of course, uh, always check in those comments. So if you want to leave a comment about something myself and Daniel said here on the show, that is a great way to do it. Daniel, it has been an interesting week already in May. I want to say yesterday you hit me up and you're like, hey, man, you know, <clears throat> what time you want to do a show? And, uh, you know, hey, let's see if anything major breaks. Well, we had somewhat of a breaking news here as Sydney Outlaw is out of the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix as he tested positive for three banned substances in an out-of-competition drug test, which happened during uh, the weekend of Bellator 290 when Bellator did that preview, or excuse me, that kickoff press conference for the Lightweight Grand Prix. Seven of the eight fighters in the tournament were in attendance. Mike Mazzulli confirmed to me yesterday um, something he had told me previously, that all seven of those fighters were drug-tested out of competition. Sydney Outlaw uh, has been suspended a minimum of six months. He's out of the lightweight Grand Prix. Brent Primus now takes his spot in the tournament. And, uh, you know, look, I, I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, Daniel, that drug testing was ramping up in Bellator. And this is honestly, I think, the first positive test Bellator's had in a, in a while. Yeah, and it's out of competition, too. It's not something you normally see in a non-UFC organization. So that's what really, really makes it uh, a very interesting story, and it lets you know that the out-of-competition testing is working. You know, for Sydney Outlaw, a big opportunity for him. I mean, he, he looked really good in Bellator. Obviously, when he took on the elite lightweights, he did drop fights. But other than that, a lot of success, and he was going to have an opportunity to become the champion in an eight-man tournament. But you can't cheat, Jason, and uh, he got caught cheating. So it's kind of a Debbie Downer, but I am excited for the replacement of Brett Primus. I mean, obviously Primus is coming off a loss himself, but he's still someone who was a name that stuck out to me when he wasn't a part of the initial field, given the fact that he's a former champion. So for Bellator, losing Outlaw, replacing him for Primus, not a big loss. The person who lost the most is Sydney Outlaw. Yeah, I was thinking about this before the show today, and to me, the biggest penalty for Sydney Outlaw, it isn't the six-month suspension. It isn't the public shaming that you, you had three banned substances in your system. To me, the biggest part, the biggest loss from here is the fact that you get eliminated from a tournament where if you win three fights, you're getting a million-dollar paycheck. Yeah, for him, there probably will never be another opportunity like that his entire career. I mean, unless he reels off wins and becomes one of the best lightweights in the world, which I don't necessarily think is in the forecast for Sydney's career. Or if he goes to the PFL, this will be the last time he has an opportunity to, to win a million-dollar payday, obviously with the tax man taking a pretty big cut out of that. But, yeah, I, I just feel like for Outlaw, I mean, you just got to really, really ask yourself – a, what happened, or why the hell did I do this? I mean, this is either a situation where um, 
he knowingly or unknowingly took these substances. I think in all likelihood he knowingly did. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the three substances involved here, but if he didn't, I mean, you, you got to figure out how that got in your in your system. But when you get both of your tests coming with the same result, you know you probably did something wrong and you probably knew it. And uh, it's just not worth it, man, to cheat in the game. But, I, I mean, there's a lot of guys cheating, you, you would think, and uh, Outlaw just got caught. Yeah, I mean, purely from outside looking in, I think it's hard to think that you had a tainted supplement when the three substances that were in his system um, were there. I swear. And of course, you know, you mentioned about Brent Premise and uh, Brent, when this tournament was announced, he thought he was in it. And then, of course, it gets announced he's not in it. And, you know, one of the things that when you look at this eight man tournament, I mean, this is a damn good tournament that Bellator has put together here. Uh, you know, when you look at the left side of the bracket, you got. Normaga Madoff and Henderson, Primus and, and Barnaquee. Of course, they're going to fight now May 12th in Paris. Uh, Normaga Madoff and Henderson, they're going to fight March 10th in San Jose. And then the other side of the bracket, uh, you have Musayev and Shabby. They're going to fight March 10th in San Jose. And then Patricky and AJ McKee, the fight date for that is still to be determined. But, Daniel, I mean, you look at this on paper. This is a, a solid tournament that Pelotors put together. Yeah, now that we've already had one person taken out of the tournament before the first fight has even taken place, MMA gods, can you please not touch the rest of this tournament? Can you please let this tournament play out? Because I'm excited for it, man. I, I really am. I mean, it, it's got it's got four great opening matchups that I'm excited for. You know, Uzman Nurmaga Madoff and Benson Henderson is a fight where I think Nirmaga Madoff's going to be a very heavy favorite in that fight, but it's still interesting because we have just barely seen Usman compete against top lightweights in his most recent fight where he became champion. That's really the first time we've seen him fight a good 155er. So to fight a good 155er who is actually like a Hall of Fame caliber name in Benson Henderson, that's a good fight. I mean, the fight between Alexander Shabli and Tufik Musayev is – just a phenomenal fight if you're a hardcore mixed martial arts fan. Neither of those two guys are known to a casual yet, but by the end of this tournament, they could very easily be the next Bellator lightweight champion. AJ and Patricky Pitbull, that's just a great story. The Pitbull brother versus McKee, I dig it. And then uh, Premise and Barnawi. I mean, that's a man, it's a tough fight for Premise. But, you know, for someone who had some bad luck after he won the lightweight championship, he had the knee injury. Finally, a little bit of good luck heads his way. He gets a shot in the tournament and an opportunity to kind of really radically change the way we think of Brett Primus. You know, a lot is on the line. Legacies are on the line. Brett Primus can change the way we look at him as a Bellator fighter if he is able to win this eight-man field because this eight-man field is filled with killers. Yeah, I'm going to try to get Brent on the podcast to kind of talk about how all this played out for him, of how he learned about it and everything like that. But, like, as I look at this bracket, Daniel, obviously we've got we've got many weeks where we can talk about this tournament. But if I am in Bellator management's positions, the dream final has to be Usman Nurmagomedov versus AJ McKee. That has to be the dream final for them. There isn't even another close second. There really isn't. I mean... When you're power ranking the fighters, AJ and Usman are just clearly above most of the guys. The one guy who might be in that category that I just I'm not sure yet is Tufik Musayev. 
he might just be at that same talent level, but he just doesn't have the name value yeah. for me to put him in there. But he might just be the guy who plays the role of spoiler in this tournament. But absolutely, Jason, AJ and Usman are very clearly the the two guys uh, that, that you want to see meet in the finals. And um, I, I guess if you're Bellator, what would be number two? What would be the number two final that you think would be the most marketable final that they hope w- would get there? From a fight aspect, I think you hit it right, right from the nail on the head there with, with Tafik. But like a name value, probably Patricky. Or, or what happens if somehow Patricky has to pull out of the tournament and his brother takes his spot? Yeah. That, yeah. Patricia, dude. Oh my God. Patricio Pitbull versus Usman would be a hell of a fight. I mean, it also might be kind of boring, but it also might be really awesome if Usman decides to stand and trade. Uh, I could see that. The other one would be what it what it would be. And this one's not going to happen. I'm sorry. But if it does happen, the Cinderella story of Benson Henderson winning this thing would be crazy. You know, Benson hasn't impressed me very much in Bellator. But, um, God, if he's able to somehow piece it all together, when there have already been times throughout his Bellator run where it seems like it might be time to hang up the gloves and maybe, you know, do some bare-knuckle boxing or something, uh, it would be crazy if, if he somehow, like, wins. I mean, God, that would be one hell of a story uh, for sure. And speaking of Benson Henderson, I don't know if you saw this, Bellator has signed his wife to a multi-fight deal. She had fought on, on a preliminary card. You're speaking of Bare Knuckle, uh, I was actually contemplating watching Knuckle Mania last Friday night after I got home, went out to the Burt Kreischer uh, comedy show here in Tampa, which was uh, it was an amazing show. Um, for those who don't know, Burt's from Tampa, so it, he, he must he probably been on for about you know. He was probably on for like ninety minutes, two hours. The, the only bad experience about being at this show. So it was at Amelie Arena, which is the home of the Tampa Bay Lightning. When I I don't know if you're like me, Daniel, when I buy tickets to a show, I, I make sure I purchase the end of the row. I don't want to be stuck in the middle. There was this group in the middle of the row. They had to get up at least five times during the show. That's crazy. The whole people the whole group? The whole very, group very, at once various or? people. It, it oh, was okay. clear it was clearly it was either A, they were going for a beer run, or B, they were going to the bathroom. And it just got to that point where I was just like Okay, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, look, if it's a whole group going up, then obviously they're for sure going to do cocaine in the bathroom. But if it's just individuals, look, I'm someone who has, like, I feel like if I went to the doctor, I would probably get diagnosed with, like, irritable bowel syndrome. Like, I will eat Chipotle, and as soon as I get home, it's time to go on the on the throne and, and get on TikTok. So I sympathize with people who have to go to the restroom. It is a struggle for me to watch a whole movie, especially if it's a Marvel movie and it's like three and a half hours and not go to the restroom. But uh, five times during a two hour show is unacceptable, especially because like, uh, you know, I feel like if you, I I don't know where you were seating, but if you were somewhat close, I feel like if you stand up, you're just asking for the comedian to make fun of you. Well, we, we were in the club level. Um, which is kind of typically my go-to when, when I go to, go to an event. I mean, like, it's like, come on, man, you can't break that seal. I mean, as dudes, we all know this. At least I feel like we all know this. You don't break that seal because once you break the seal, it's wide open. Wait, I don't get what you mean. What's the seal? You've never heard this term? 
No, I, I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, breaking the seal is like you're going out with the fellas to have some beers. Uh-huh. Once you go to the bathroom, you've broken the seal. Are you serious? That's the thing? You've never heard this term? Maybe everyone was talking about it when I went to go take a piss. That's I, hilarious. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. You're talking about going to the bathroom. I had some good Chipotle last night, by the way. But yeah. um, I was thinking about this like, what did we do before cell phones where we could take them to the bathroom and just browse the internet? Oh, man, I was a big fan of magazines. I would I, I would have my magazines in the restroom. Uh, I don't remember what the hell that MMA magazine was called. But it's the oh, one that everyone well, you had, read. You had, you had Fighters Only magazine, which is still around. I, I think they're mostly a digital version at this point. Uh, but there was um, God, there was another one. Yeah, I, I feel like it was the other one. Um, I I, I want to say Inside MMA, but that was the TV show. No. Um, I, yeah, there was something. It was worded around something like that. Yeah, but I, I would read magazines. Uh and I, I'm looking at it now, and it's called Ultimate MMA, which was yeah, uh, that's right, man. That was a good magazine. Like I don't I, know dude, if it had. I have so much respect for reporters who can do that. So I did that for um, Bellator 133. Somewhere here in my office, I have like the physical program. Like I wrote this long form about the fights, whatnot. One of the hardest things I've ever written. And and look, I know I'm not a great writer. I probably spent like five hours trying to put that thing together. Cause like, they're like, Hey, we need this many words. It's got to go on this many pages. And yeah, I so yeah. much respect for, for reporters and writers who can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's less and less of them, you know, of, of great reporters with the great written word. I mean, it, it, it's a lost art, but uh, I, I certainly miss those uh, magazine days. I'm sure they still are out there, but yeah, things have changed. But yeah, man. I mean, also, I would play my Game Boy. I mean, I was a child, though, but I would play Pokemon. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'd go to the restroom uh, during school and go play some Pokemon in elementary and level up my Charmander. But uh, yeah, um, anyone who says they aren't on their phone when they're pooping are lying. Okay. You got, you got, you got your <laughs> fecal matter on your, on your, on, everyone's got their fecal matter on the touchpad. The only question is have you ever called someone who is on in the bathroom while they're talking to you? That That's the only question mark. I haven't, but there's this one podcast that I really love. It's a college football podcast called Solid Verbal. Okay. And a long time ago, they interviewed Houston Nutt. I don't remember who he was who he was coaching for, but during the interview, they for sure heard like a toilet flush. And I'm you got you got to come on, man! You got to hit mute at least. <laughs> He's Houston Nutt, bro. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I I don't I've never I've never talked on the phone when I'm pooping. Um, Plenty of text messages been sent. Oh yeah, to to, to you, to you, Jason. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but you know, so I initially I was like, oh, you know, I'll come home, I'll watch Knuckle Mania three. But basically, I got home and I passed out. And uh, but of course, uh, this Knuckle Mania three, uh, Greg Hardy gets brutally KO'd in his matchup. Uh, Mike Richmond, you know, uh, drops Lorenzo Hunt, but then Hunt drops him and wins the matchup. Uh, Diego Sanchez loses his matchup to Austin Trout. And then, of course, there's this video that comes out about, you know, grease being applied to Austin Trout and his neck. And uh, today over at 
CHS.com, uh, CHS representative confirmed that they are going to appeal the uh, and file a appeal with the New Mexico State Athletic Commission, hopefully that they can get on the next hearing there in March. And this was his quote to MMA fighting. We will be filing a formal complaint with the NMAC to reverse the bout. In a sport where clinching is allowed, it 100% eliminated the chance at implementing a key strategy in his game plan. And Sanchez wrote this on Instagram. He says, this was between rounds, and the video before was before the fight. Guillermo Perez and Austin's corner in collaboration, greasing shoulders and neck before the fight to toward my game plan to actively strike from the clinch. This changed the whole inside the fight where I had the best chance to win fighting the five-time boxing world champion Austin Trout and BKFC. Please help me get this loss overturned. I was cheated out of a fair fight and took scars that will last a lifetime and had to eat through a straw for three days. Had I got all greased up on my beard, my punches would have slid off his chin as well. And so when I see this story, I initially tweeted basically along the lines of like, you know, hey, I've seen this story talked about, you know, over the past couple of days. I said, you know, hey, has anyone actually reached out to the commission to say, is this illegal? in the rules and regs for bare knuckle boxing in the state of New Mexico. And uh, kudos to uh, my guy, Eric McCracken over there at combat sports law, where uh, by the way, it took me literally two minutes to find the rules and regs for the bare knuckle event. And I'll say this, man, I think there is some lazy journalism, lazy reporting that's being done in this sport. Kudos to people like Eric McCracken who are taking the time to go out there and look at these rules and regs because it was not hard to find these rules and regs. All I had to do was a simple Google search and I found it. And when I looked at what was prohibited, there was nothing about greasing and Eric McCracken uh, tweeted about this saying, he goes, uh, New Mexico's greasing rules do allow Vaseline on the face, arms, or other parts of the contestant's body. Goes on the tweet, he says, that being said, it's not a hopeless appeal because New Mexico does allow an appeal based on illegal greasing and rules suggest no further greasing to be allowed in between rounds. And uh, I had spoken to somebody yesterday about this and kind of I, I got the the perception I took from the conversation was, yeah, Nothing illegal was done here. And because the thing that stuck out to me about the statement from Sanchez representatives, there was, there was nothing like, hey, we're appealing this rule or that rule. And that to me made me go, eh, probably, uh, you know, Diego, sorry, but you've probably got like less than a 5% chance of winning. Yeah, but the one thing, hearing what you're saying, he might have a chance, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's accusing him of applying the Vaseline in between rounds. Uh, could that be something? Well, that it, well there, there's a video before the fight. Yeah. And then after, I mean, the thing is, is like, it, you know, what happens, you know, I mean, look here, here's, I think the bigger picture of this, Daniel, mm-hmm. you got to know the rules where you're fighting. Did Austin Trout's team ask the commission? Hey, can we put grease on his neck? And if the commission says yes, can you blame Austin Trout's team? Yeah, and they probably didn't even ask. They probably just knew. And it's probably because of their experience in the world of boxing, Mm -hmm. which is just a different world than mixed martial arts where clinching and grappling is such a significant factor of the sport. I, uh, yeah, I I just think this is not going to win for Diego, but... If there is proof that it happened 
in between rounds, he might have a puncher's chance, but man, I don't even know how he found himself in this spot in the first place. I mean, when I saw Knucklemania, I, I wasn't aware of the card at all. Um, when I'm going through Twitter and seeing Greg Hardy get knocked out and, and I was just like, wait a second. Diego Sanchez is in a bare knuckle boxing match with effing Austin Trout. Dude, when the fight was announced, I started calling people. I go, hold on. This is being regulated? Like, why should we be shocked that Austin Trout did that to Diego Sanchez? Like, there is people I heard that, that flat out thought there was no issue with this matchmaking and started questioning other commissions on matches they've they've made. And I'm sitting there going, you're talking about a boxing world champion. Look, he's not in his prime in boxing. We all know that. But, like, no one should be shocked he went out there and did what he did to Diego Sanchez. Yeah, like, he's not in his prime, but he's still, what, 37 years old, um, in really good shape. And Diego Sanchez is a mixed martial arts fighter who's also past his prime. But... uh you know, power is one of the last things that goes. And when I look at the fight, it wasn't so much the power, but it was the damage. I mean, Diego looked awful, which was not surprising. And it was just, um, you know, after he got rid of Josh Fabia, I was like, well, hopefully he's got good people around him. But for Diego, I mean, it's got to be like, God, it's got to be like, can the UFC not find like a job for him to do? you know, to, to get a paycheck because, like, this is dangerous, you know, a fight against Austin Trout. But if you're going to keep on fighting bare knuckle, for the love of God, stop fighting former world champion boxers, you know. I mean, some of these other fights, you know, they make sense when you look at the bare knuckle card. Um, and, and the card itself looked entertaining. Like, I understand why people come out and see this show. I mean, you come out to Knuckle Mania and you're going to see some knockouts. Literally, we're talking about a fight card that had over 10 fights. And the only thing that went the distance was the very first fight. Everything else got a finish, including John Dodson getting a win there. So it's an entertaining product. Kudos to Bare Knuckle. I mean, they this is an organization that I've criticized throughout, but they have persevered, they've had success, mm-hmm. and they have a very sustainable model. And it has worked. And I'm shocked by it. But you got to give credit when credit is due. And we got ourselves a third knuckle mania. And there'll be plenty more. <laughs> you know, look, I, I just think for bare knuckle, like just stop with these elite level boxers against mixed martial artists, because at the end of the day, it's probably not going to go well for the mixed martial artists. I mean, put MMA fighters against MMA fighters. I think bare knuckle has taken a lot of leaps over the past two years of getting people on their side. But when you do matchmaking like this, this is going to fuel the people that, you know, don't want to see bare knuckle, uh, you know, do the things that they're doing here. So, I mean, look, it's, you know, it is what it is. I guess is about the best way to put it, but like, you know, and bare knuckle is not that expensive to watch on online. I think they do like a monthly pass for like five bucks a month or something like, and they're doing tons of events, not just here in the United States or doing stuff overseas. But I mean, it's one of those things of, I just hope that Diego and the people around him are being honest with him about the realities of whether or not this could get overturned. I'd probably say it's got a 5% chance. Yeah. I uh, I agree with you, and um, yeah, there, I mean, there's dangers. I mean, don't don't forget about the the poor man Justin Thornton, 
who died in bare knuckle yeah. after bare knuckle FC 20, you know, two years ago. I mean, that's a story that's kind of been forgotten, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know this for certain, but I do feel like what happened there has caused more medical testing to happen in bare knuckle that maybe that maybe was not there at that time. Well, I hope that's the case because it is a dangerous sport. And the most dangerous thing about it isn't necessarily the sport. It's the type of competitors it attracts. It attracts the past their prime UFC fighter. And that's the most concerning thing about the whole sport actually isn't the sport itself. It's just the actual people who are combatants because I have concern that those people have already experienced too much brain trauma and uh, they're just asking for more. Yeah. Um, it just makes me think bare knuckle going over to slap fighting. Like, is that the next stage? Dude, I was on Instagram and I'm seeing now videos of people doing slap fighting. And so, you know, you know, I, I love to play DFS on the daily. You know, I'm a, I'm a DFS degenerate when it comes to uh, various sports. And uh, so I had all my lineups in for the Daytona 500 because there was a lot of great prize pools over there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching towards the end of the race and, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm looking at, you know, how much money I'm winning and, you know, realizing what my lineups are, are really good, whatnot. And they even mentioned slap fighting on the Daytona 500. What did they say? It was Tony Stewart was like, yeah, I could go for a good slap fighting matchup right now because I, I they had a car in the race. They sponsored a car in the race. Uh, and, I, I and I was just like, and it was like, wow, wow. Uh, you know, even though, you know, the television ratings are, it, it seems like they're in that 275 to 300 range outside of that one outlier where they got over 400,000 viewers. Um, I haven't, I haven't watched that episode. I just, I don't care to, I really don't. Yeah. I feel like they probably would have wanted to get 500 to 600,000 viewers. If I had to guess for a, a target number, and this is just me talking out of my butt, I don't know yeah. anything, but when you talk about that television network, um, I, I know I listened to a podcast with one of the professional wrestlers who's a part of AEW, Kenny Omega, and he talked about how I believe the target, whenever they got the TV deal, to keep it going was 600,000 viewers for all elite wrestling. So wow. I would imagine slap fighting is probably a similar number, but I, I don't know. But yeah, I, 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 would, I, would hazard, I would still hazard a guess that the viewership numbers are doing now is still a disappointment. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, season two of Slap Fighting is on, on Fight Pass. That'd be my guess. Yeah, because it, it will live on. I mean, the one thing Dana White is, is stubborn. And uh, if he loves something, he will just keep it going. You oh, know? Like, like what, the Ultimate Fighter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yes, like the Ultimate Fighter. Season 31 with Ryan Bader as an assistant coach. I, yeah, I saw that. Bellator, Bellator is mentioned. I doubt it, but uh, yeah, highly, yeah, yeah, highly unlikely. Even though you sometimes you do hear that that B word on a UFC broadcast, it doesn't happen, um, you know, too too often. But uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, Uncle Man was on Friday. On Saturday, we had UFC Vegas 69. Overall, a lackluster card in terms of kind of, uh, you know, outside of, you know, a couple of fights, obviously the main event with Aaron Wanchfield went out there and did against Jessica Andrade. Um, I did not see that one coming. And uh, I watched, I watched all this event live up into the main event that I had to go to a birthday party, um, you know, and then I didn't realize that apparently we had a wardrobe malfunction until Jessica Andrade told us she did. Yeah, I didn't see it either. Uh, she said that, 
in the second round when Blanche was going for the takedown, her her boob came out. She freaked out, and that Blanchfield got the takedown. So I went back and I rewatched, and well, that is in fact what happened. Although, fortunately for Jessica, I, it appears as though it was covered up by Blanchfield from that camera angle. Like I didn't, I didn't analyze it that hard. I mean, I rewatched it three times. You, you know, you know, there is someone who has analyzed that because like when I first saw the, the story, my thought was like, I was like, I did a Google search. Like I go, or I did a, a Twitter search. I'm like, I don't recall everyone ever mentioned anything about this. So I was like, but the end of Andrade's quote um, was kind of comical. It says uh, quote, we have, we have to be ready for everything. I should have been prepared to let my breast be out. If it slipped out, it has been shown in so many places before. I shouldn't even be worried about that. <laughs> that's funny that she has that you know good sense of humor you gotta appreciate it but it is one of those things you can't prepare for something like that even if it is out there you still aren't expecting to expose yourself at any moment and it, it, it's just so random like I, I can only imagine if i was competing and all of a sudden i felt that my balls were out i would freak the f out during that like one second right i would lose my train of thought i would lose my attention it just so happened when she lost her attention, she was defending a freaking takedown. No, don't you remember a couple of years ago? It was um, it was a video at the WWE Performance Center, and Triple H is like, "Hey man, one of your balls is hanging out." Oh yeah, dude, that was tough enough. Season one, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, and that could happen to me as as a wrestler, and uh, I would I would freak out. Fortunately, my opponent isn't actually trying to kill me. Uh, so they'll, they'll let me fix myself, but, uh, it happens all the time when you're wearing like athletic gear. I'm surprised something like that doesn't happen more when you, when you look at what caused it, it was, um, Blanchfield, you know, kind of had, I believe she had underhooks, but I don't remember exactly, but it was body to body contact. And when she rubbed up, she just pulled her top off a little bit. I'm surprised something like that doesn't happen more often, but at the end of the, what's that? I feel like. A couple of years ago, Misha Tate talked about how she wears like three sports bras because of that factor. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense because there is so much clinch. I mean, especially in a in a fight night card when the fighters aren't the highest level and they're still struggling to get fights down to the ground, and most of the fights play on on the on the on the cage. There's a lot of clinch work, and so that seems like a big factor. But at the end of the day, bro, it don't matter that that happened. Blanchfield was winning that fight. It was crazy what happened in that fight. Like, I can't believe what I was watching when I'm watching these two stand and trade, and Aaron Blanchfield is the better striker in this fight. Jason, that is crazy. That is not what I predicted or thought was going to happen. And how much of that is in relation to Andrade taking this fight on such short notice, maybe not letting, you know, letting, you know, time to recover from a previous matchup. And, you know, and obviously the, the talk has been about, well, does Blanchfield get the title shot next? Of course, you know, we got the title matchup next week with Shevchenko and Grosso. And if I'm Shevchenko, you get past Grosso. I would want to take on Blanchfield next because you'd rather fight her now than a year or two from now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, even if you fight her now and you beat her, uh, you're probably going to fight her two years ago from now because she's that good. You know, she's she's 23 years old. She – obviously, there's the caveat that Andrade took this fight on incredibly short notice. But Andrade is still a championship-level fighter, and there are very few times where she has looked this 
poorly in a fight. And usually it's only whenever she's taking on a champion. Um, so Aaron's going to be a part of the picture for the rest of her, you know, for the next 10 years. From 23 to 33, she's probably going to be a top five fighter in that weight class, if not a champion. The improvement is crazy. The improvement is there. Again, even though Jessica took the fight on short notice, Aaron's ability to win the stand-up can't be undersold. It was crazy. You could hear it in the in the commentators, in, in Laura Senko and Paul Felder. There was a real shock and like, whoa, what are we seeing here? You know, this is not what we anticipated. I think another part of it was Aaron really controlled the range of this fight. I mean, you could tell there was a defense in, in the – I don't know the specifics, but I would imagine there was a pretty big reach difference. But for sure, there was a height difference. And it just felt like every time Jessica was kind of engaging, Blanchfield hit her and was able to create more distance. It just felt like it was a struggle. And anytime Jessica did go inside and land a blow, the thing that Erin did really well was she gave her a receipt. She came in, you're coming out with a, with a shot. And... I think the most important thing that Aaron did was she was accurate with her strikes and she did a fairly good job of moving her head when Jessica was throwing strikes at her. So, dude, Aaron Blanchfield, the real deal, A++, and without a doubt, she deserves the next opportunity. And, God, Jason, I might pick her to beat Shevchenko. I mean, no disrespect to Grasso, I think, but I think Shevchenko's a heavy favorite in that fight. But, uh, man... When you look at Aaron, who has a clear path to victory against a champion like Shevchenko with this wrestling, she might be my pick to beat Shevchenko and dethrone the queen. Yeah, I was just going to pull up the odds for next week here. Uh, Shevchenko is a 6-1 to one betting favorite. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Gross is a good striker, but Shevchenko is literally the second best female fighter of all time, and yeah. she's still fighting like it. Um, yeah, that was, you know, but yeah, it was, it was a great performance for Jessica back to the drawing board, but I wouldn't be shocked if she pieces together some wins. I mean, she looked like a freaking monster in her last fight, and I think she's probably going to return to form. Yeah, and I already saw a note on Twitter that she says she's going to go back down to 115 pounds. Uh, you know, when we look at the rest of this card, the thing that will stick out to me, I'll go to the very first fight of the night, Clayton Carpenter. Um, it's a fight that didn't last very long, only lasted three minutes and 13 seconds. He gets put on his back and just slick transition that ultimately leads uh, to the rear naked choke. Also, uh, I thought A.J. Fletcher did some really good things on the ground uh, in his matchup to get the guillotine choke in the second round. Uh, Philippe Leans may have looked the best we've ever seen Philippe Leans look in that knockout in 49 seconds. you got to imagine that this is probably the end of the road of OSP in the UFC. I know it's already come out that Jordan Wright, who lost, has been uh, his contract is up with the UFC, and um, yeah, they're just not going to give him a new deal. William Knight has been uh, released from organization. We'll talk about William Knight here uh, in a moment. Uh, Lena Landsberg announced her retirement following her loss against uh, Bueno Silva. A nasty cut for Evan Elder. Uh, kind of unfortunate for him because I thought that potentially he was going to maybe walk his way to a, a decision victory there. Um, the 30-27 for Alex Hernandez. I did not get those scorecards. I thought that fight was way closer than 30-27. Um, you know, two judges had it 30-27 for Alex Hernandez. I mean, I thought he, I thought it was 29-28 for him. I just didn't understand the 30-27. to 27. Uh, Jamal Pokes, uh, he looked good. I'm actually going to have him on um, Sunday's podcast. Um, and uh, Marcin Pracnio, like, look. <laughs> you fought, I, I, I give William Knight all the credit in the world for coming out and saying, yeah, I effed up, I froze. 
Like, cause like there was a point. I don't know if you noticed this. If you go back to when they announced that fight on the broadcast and, um, Brandon Fitzgerald's like, Oh, we got a banger coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like three minutes into the fight. He's like, William Knight has thrown one strike. I have no idea how Martian Prackner has finished 12 people before. Uh, because holy, holy moly, he uh, took on, um, he took on some, it, it looked like somebody was playing a video game and their controller was unplugged. I mean, no, 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 no. Okay. All right. I had that thought, but in a different way, watch that fight. I felt like that was someone playing UFC four that just knows how to lay kick really well. And they just lay kick crap at you. Yeah. I mean, and like they don't the, know how to do anything else. Yeah. And to be fair to Marshine, one, uh, his foot was messed up. He kicked him so hard. They showed in the post fight interview, his foot was messed up. But also, William Knight does theoretically pose a danger. He is a very heavy power puncher. And so you probably didn't want to risk it. But he could have risked it because William Knight was literally... It was... I mean, honestly, when I think back to this fight night... The William Knight fight will be one of the most memorable things. Like, I won't forget this. I mean, I've never seen this ever before. I've seen Caleb Starnes run away from Nate Quarry. I have seen that. But for William Knight, he just literally didn't do anything. And it's it's something I've never seen before. And it was pretty boring, but it was actually so boring and so outrageous. It was kind of entertaining. Yeah, like I had the thought as I was watching the fight because I remember last week, you know, because if you remember, this fight was supposed to take place back in November. William Knight pulls out of the fight due to a knee injury. And Prackney, was asked on Wednesday of last week, like, hey, man, did you think about, you know, getting a new fight so you can fight sooner? And then he's like, nah, I like this matchup. I wanted this fight. And as I'm watching the fight, I was sitting there going, maybe that knee injury isn't recovered. And, and maybe that's why he's not doing what, you would think he would do. I, I, I probably shouldn't be offering an excuse up there for him, but like that was a thought that came to my mind. But I was like, I'm sitting there and you're watching that fight and you're just like, like if you're in the William Knight corner, you got to be sitting there going, well, guys, our days in UFC are over. Yeah. And I tell you what, his corner did a hell of a job. You know, I was able to listen to the corner audio um, during both rounds and they said exactly what you would want them to say. They were as stunned as we were, and I think William said he froze, and that's understandable. Like, in that's understandable in that people do freeze in times, right? It happens. It just sucks for him that it happened in the biggest stage possible. Like, I have some empathy for him because clearly that's not what he wanted to do. For some reason, he froze. I would be interested for him to elaborate more on what he means by I froze, but Sometimes in life, when you get on a big stage and people are looking, like if you're in high school and you are scared of speaking publicly and the teacher calls on you and you stand up and you just freeze, that's relatable. Yeah. That does happen. It's just not something we ever really see happen in a professional sport, right? We don't see a quarterback take a snap. And hold on to the ball till he gets set. Well, Brock Osweiler did do that a lot for the Texans. But other than that, we don't really see something like that happen. So it's very embarrassing. I feel so bad for William because clearly that's not what he wanted to do because no one would want to do that. But I've just never, ever seen someone 
essentially do nothing. And I got to say, well, firstly, I was like, damn, when I was watching this fight, I'm like, I did not know James Krause was still coaching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, dude, the commentators did a hell of a job. Um, again, they did a hell of a job coming to the realization of what was happening. And they told a good story. And the story of the fight was William Knight was inactive. And he didn't do crap. And because he is inactive and didn't do crap, he got his leg completely picked apart. So in round three, he was now trapped where he now actually couldn't do anything yeah. because he was literally um, a fighter without a leg. So it was uh, it was crazy. Obviously, William Knight's already out of the UFC. I feel so bad for him because it's going to be a very hard thing for him to get back in this promotion. And it's going to be a very hard thing for him to change the way we talk about him and his reputation. Yeah, I mean, he's literally going to go like on a Mike Tyson run, just knock fools out in 30 seconds for like the next two years. Because, yeah, I don't see the UFC giving him any opportunity in the world. Now, as we move forward to this week's MMA, I have some really great news for you, Daniel. This Hit may, me! This may be news that you're not aware of. It's possible. You know what this week's marks? Um, uh, it's not my girlfriend's birthday, is it? What is it? The next six weeks after Saturday night are all events not at the UFC Apex. Yeah, all, all in front of fans. So I was looking at this. March 4th is the pay-per-view at T-Mobile. March 11th, that is the uh, Jan and Marab fight. That's at the uh, Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas. So once again, in front of fans. March 18th, pay-per-view in London. Uh, March 25th, fight night car in San Antonio. April 8th, pay-per-view in Miami. April 15th, Fight Night Car, which is the one headlined by uh, by Holloway in Kansas City. And then April 22nd is the next event that we do not know location on. That's the event that's going to be headlined by Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich. So that's probably an Apex card. Yeah, that's so an we, Apex card. <laughs> so, man, but... Like, this is the best news. Like, and I understand, like, look, if I was a MMA beat reporter living in Las Vegas, I would absolutely love Apex cards because you don't yeah. got to go anywhere. You get all your, you know, your, your content. But like as a combat sports fan, as someone who loves to sit on a Saturday night and watch combat sports, I love watching the UFC in front of fans. These cards are the Apex in front of 50 people. They're just not exciting cards. And last week's a perfect example. The UFC has to look at how they match make these cards with no fans in attendance and understand something has to be done because last week's car, which it just did not deliver. I mean, God, it would have been great to have fans in attendance for that William Knight fight. I mean, that fight deserved to get booed. Okay. I mean, I don't advocate for booing very often. That fight deserved to just be rained down in booze or like, Think about Jim Miller. You know, he's now fought, I believe, 275 times in the UFC. He doesn't have that many more left. A legend like that deserves the cheers. And and, the, and, and and just think of how the crowd would have popped off in that third round when he nearly got that rear naked choke. And, yeah, I miss the crowds. Every time they're in the apex, all I can think about is, oh, coronavirus. Um it's just, it, it sucks when the fight nights are in the apex and I love it. And I'm glad that you told me that I'm excited. Uh, I, I personally wish 
the UFC would never do another fight night in the Apex ever again. I know that's not going to happen. I know that's not going to happen because it's it's um what's the word? cost effective. Correct. And the yes. UFC the UFC loves their money. Um but it's just as a fan, I love crowds. It's great. They are a key component to the storytelling of this sport. I mean, like look, we're going to talk about the Bellator card here in a moment like you know, from a, from a U.S. Uh, viewership perspective, it may not have a lot of fights that are going to truly get you intrigued, but that Dublin audience is going to be insane. Oh yeah, they are, man. I mean, they are. I mean, they um, they make those Bellator Ireland cards worth watching, even when the fights aren't Dude, there. And obviously- yeah, watch those prelims. The fans are insane. Like I, I that I mean it's it's one of these things of like look I, I get why the UFC does it but like just coming from this from a guy who wants to watch sports it's so much of a better viewing experience for me when you got fans in a seat intense I mean look we saw it with the Bellator event beginning this month we see it with every pay per view event I mean like look I do like the main event and co main event on Saturday night for the UFC with the light heavyweights and Nikita Krylov and Ryan Spann. And then, of course, the middleweight matchup between Andre Muniz and Brennan Out. I think that's a nice one-two punch for a fight night car. You know, Ryan Spann's been on a great role here. You know, he, he, coming off that win against uh, Dom Reyes, previously coming off that win against Ian Kutalaba. Nikita Krylov has been just been doing this thing. Like, gotta look, how long he's, has he been in the UFC? He's not... He made his UFC debut in 2013 against Soa Pulele. Wow. Yeah, and then the headliner was Benson Henderson and Anthony Pettis. You know, Josh Barnett and Frank Mir was the co-main event of that fight at that fight at that pay-per-view. And then you remember he, you know, he had a couple of fights outside of the UFC, comes back, but like when you look at who Nikita Kryoff loses to, it's the top of this division. Look like look at his last four losses. Jan Blachowicz, Glover Teixeira, Magomed Ankalaev, and Paul Craig. Now, Paul Craig, you know, you can take that loss as a good loss, bad loss, however you want to look at it, but, like, the other three losses are the top of this division. Yeah, yeah, he's he's incredibly skilled, man. He's kind of like a gatekeeper almost. Oh, very, like, th- this to me is, like, it's a matchup for Ryan Spann of are you – a legit title contender at 205 pounds or not. Like, I feel like that's got to be the narrative heading into this week. But like, like something I did want to bring up and I'll bring it up here is when we look at this weekend's MMA, I think for some people, the biggest story could be Yaroslav Amosov returning to competition after fighting for his home country in Ukraine with the, the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. But to me, I think the biggest story of this weekend is, is the return of Tatiana Suarez, who hasn't fought since 2019. Yeah, we're talking about three and a half years. If, who, God, I mean, Tatiana, man, she has really had some bad luck. I, she she suffered from cancer, right, Bef, uh, before even becoming a fighter, correct? Correct, yes. I believe, so, man, she struggled. She had that, and then she had the unbelievable, you know, start to her UFC career where she looked like a future champion. And she, I believe, had two really long layoffs due to injury. She has had so much bad luck in her life, but she is back. And I think you are right, Jason. I think you hit the nail on the head. She's someone who, when she started off her run in the UFC, man, she looked amazing. She was running through people, very well-rounded, great wrestler. 
and someone who has a win over Alexa Grasso, has a win over Carla Esparza. Those are high-quality wins. And fortunately, she's still only 32, so she still has plenty of her career left in front of her. She has an opponent in Montana De La Rosa who is a beatable opponent, but someone who is very good on the ground, which probably should be a concern for Tatiana. So I agree with you. I think Tatiana Suarez, there's a big chance we'll be talking about her. Um, there are a few good fights this weekend, Jason. I mean, look, Amosov coming back is a big deal. I mean, that's crazy. An active champion had to had to stop his competition to fight in a war. Are you kidding me? Wow. Bellator put out this video on their YouTube channel yesterday, which is amazing. And it's an interview with Amosov where it's talking about what he went through it. And he's talking about being in his home country. And he's talking about why were Russians killing children? Why were they killing older women? And he's like, and he goes, there's times at night that I lay down and I close my eyes and all I can picture is the dead bodies that he saw laying on the ground. And and he talks about this. There's this picture of him where he's holding up the bell with, you know, other people fighting for Ukraine. And, and he's telling the story about how they basically told him, like, you need to go defend your title. This is who you are. And like, to me, it's, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how this story grows throughout the week. Like he should go out there and get the win against Logan Storley. Um, you know, I mean, if you're Logan Storley, I I really don't know what the path is to win this fight. I mean, obviously, he's a wrestler. I mean, that's what he's going to try to do. I just don't think he's going to be able to, to implement that game plan. Um, you know, so I, I think it's, this is Amazon's fight to lose all day long. No, I agree with you. I mean, this fight has already happened before. The only thing is the big X factor and the major variable is Logan Storley has been able to be in the lab, work and work and work in his game while Amosov has had to fight for the life of his country. And that's the X factor in this fight, is the amount of training Logan has been able to do, while Amosov has had to take a step back and then get back in the game. Surely, if he's taking on this fight, he's ready to go. Yeah, and he, he probably will have success. Yeah, he's been living in the United States. Him and his family moved to the United States and moved down to South Florida. He's been an American top team. He's put in for a full long? camp. for. His, he's had a full camp. I think he's been. What, like three, three months? Yeah, I think, or, I think he moved back like three months ago. So, I mean, he's probably he's probably ready to go. And he's 29 years old. He, he athletically probably still has 100% of his skills. And he was unbelievable. So, if it's a three, I, I should have figured out how long he's been training. A three-month camp is good. But it still doesn't replace everything he could have gotten for the for the uh, the nine months prior, mm-hmm. when Logan was in the gym and working and honing his craft. And also, it, yeah, I I just think that's the one X factor. I think Amosov's the clear favorite. He's my pick to win. But if he does lose, I'm probably going to be thinking about that factor as to why he lost that fight. But Man, I mean, I'm I'm just glad he's he's safe. I'm glad to see him again. He's one of the best fighters on the planet, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for that fight. You know, uh, the 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 rest of the Bellator card. The one fight that I like is the co-main event, Pedro Carvalho and Jeremy Kennedy. That's a featherweight fight I can get excited for. Um, Sinead Kavanaugh 
will be good for that crowd. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the the prelims will be interesting, but there are about thirteen preliminary fights, so I don't know how many of those I'm actually going to be watching. I think the one preliminary fight that would stick out to me the most would be Hassan Magomed Sharapov um, would be the one that sticks out to me. Um, Peter Queeley, Bryce Logan could could be a very important matchup because I could see the winner of that fight potentially being someone that gets earmarked for a, a reserve spot into the uh, lightweight Grand Prix. Carvalho Kennedy is, is a great matchup. Of course, that's on Saturday as well. That main card starts 4 p.m. Eastern time over there on showtime here in the united states uh you know yeah it's like i think it's like 18 fights they've gotten on on saturday so they got plenty of fights there of course in the ufc show the prelims start four o'clock main card at 7 p.m each time uh in terms of the ufc card um just for me just kind of uh uh jose johnson and garrett armfield is a fight that just intrigues me just because i've i've had the opportunity to talk to both those guys over the past uh, couple of years. Also, another matchup that's intriguing to me is Ode Osborne versus Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson has been training over in Thailand to get ready this matchup. Ode Osborne has been training in Las Vegas uh, for some time. But, uh, you know, like for me, when the UFC car, like my top three matchups, I'd probably put Tatiana Suarez number one just because of what we have seen from her and her abilities. You know, just really the question mark with her is the health aspect. And then, uh, you know, number two would be Nikita Krylov Span, three, Muniz, Brent Allen. And over a Bellator, I'd probably rank it uh, Amosov, Storley one, Carvalho, Kennedy two, Queeley, Logan three. So the one thing I would differ with you on is I would actually put. Straight up, I would actually put Brendan Allen Muniz number one. Um, okay. That that fight, I'm very much looking forward to. I mean, to me, Muniz and Allen have more upside in the middleweight division than Span or Krylov mm-hmm. in terms of upward mobility. Yeah, both are really good. Both are on really good streaks. I mean, uh, that's why that is the most interesting fight to me. The Suarez fight I have behind it only because I feel very confident that Tatiana is going to win, whereas Alan Muniz is more of a toss-up. This UFC card has got about four or five good fights on it, man. I mean, God, this is not a great card. Uh, But, you know, I'll be watching it. And then Bellator, I mean, yeah, three good fights. Um, So between these two cards, we got about eight good fights this weekend. So uh, yeah, but at least, at least, after this week, we get on the road. We get ourselves a John Jones fight, you know, a, a big pay per view. Hey, how about this love fest between John Jones and Daniel Cormier? It's uh, it, it's not something I would have predicted. Like I'm telling you this right now. If there is a DC sit down with John Jones for his YouTube channel next week, oh, that that's got to be appointment television watching. One hundred percent. That is an interview I would like to see. Yes, I, I would. One hundred percent. I I I, uh, I feel like DC's. I feel like by the end of the interview, there may no longer be a love fest. But still, 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting with that one. Um, get some uh, quick hits in here before we get out of here on this edition of the podcast. Uh, the UFC announced uh, yesterday, I want to say I saw it, that there will be a celebration of life for Stefan Bonner on Sunday at the UFC Apex at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, if you go over to UFC.com, that does have the information if you're in Vegas and you want to get tickets for that. Uh, over on the Bellator side, Ray Borg has signed with Bellator, a multi-fight deal with him. Danny Sabatello has signed a new deal with Bellator. And on the Ray Borg signing, someone asked me on Twitter, should this be the start of a Bellator flyweight division? Because reportedly, uh, Bellator is targeting Koji Horiguchi versus Ray Borg. My thought on this, Daniel, was if I'm Bellator, I do not get into the men's 125-pound business because can you develop a division? Because we've seen they haven't been able to develop a division depth at women's 145 pounds, put more resources in these other divisions, particularly I would say heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight. Yeah, I totally agree with you 100%. Bellator doesn't need to add a flyweight division. It's just going to get lost in the shuffle, and I agree. 135 is is the lowest limit that they should do for men's divisions. Aljo Sterling, May 6th. For now. Well, sir, uh, I want to say it's, it was either Sterling or Cejudo announced the fight. Uh, so that's going to be the pay-per-view. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if the UFC has announced where that May 6th card is going to be at. I would imagine would you, probably Vegas. Would you put money on that on that fight happening on that date? Uh, I, don't I don't know. You got you got a bunch of guys who always pull out of fights. Yeah, uh, I yeah. I just yeah, I just pulled up uh, TPD on where that fight would take place. I gotta think that is a. Um, I wonder. I wonder if that could. Be, I know there's been some issues in the past with Sterling being able to get licensed in New York, but that may be. Maybe they go to Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Aljo, I do think of the East Coast. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Las Vegas is a safe bet. We shall see. Who knows? Maybe maybe O'Malley finds himself in that fight. By the way, did you realize Floyd Mayweather Jr. is boxing a former MMA fighter this weekend? Do I know who the fighter is? Potentially. No. Okay, no. What's going on? Who, he has what's fought happening? in Bellator. Okay. Where, where is this fight happening in Japan? It is happening in London. Is he fighting the reality star? Yep. Oh, damn. I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's fighting. And then, like, I guess apparently um, Jose Aldo's going to fight Mayweather. And these are all exposition matchups. But I'm like, why? Like, some of these exposition fights, I'm like, why Why are we putting these fights on? Yeah. I had, I had no. no idea until I was like, why is Chalmers on the MMA Hour today? And then I saw the description. I'm like, oh, well, that's news to me. Yeah. I saw. I, I did see my uh, my my neighborhood bar is going to have the uh, Paul Fury fight on uh, Sunday. Oh, I didn't even know those guys are fighting this Sunday. Yeah, that's Sunday in uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, I hope they actually fight. Um, yeah, that. Uh, are you going to go watch it? I mean, I, I think people. Have been talking of, about you it. know what? I'm kind of tempted to. You know, have a little Sunday afternoon beers and uh, and see whatever this crap show is yeah yeah i i um because I, I want to say i saw uh uh Bob jack is in the co-main event okay 
So they've got legit boxers on the card. I mean, that's the one thing. As much as people knock Jake Paul, I mean, his promotions company, they do do a tremendous job of trying to put together, you know, best car with, with quality fighters on it. Yeah, I will say this fight has a lot less buzz than other Jake Paul fights. I mean, I didn't even know it was this weekend. Yeah, it's, and it's on ESPN Plus. Uh, ESPN Plus pay-per-view. It's for 50 bucks. I, I would I, I would not spend 50 bucks to watch this. I would tell you that flat out. But I'll go to a bar and probably spend 30 or $40. Yeah, but you also get some beer and, you know, maybe some chicken wings or whatever. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'll be aware of what's happening. It'll be on Twitter. If it, it, okay, if it was at nighttime, no way, no way, I'm going out. Sunday night, no, no. What? Oh, it's during the day. Yeah, it oh, starts. Uh, the the pay per view starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Wow. Yeah, I think this will probably be the lowest rated, uh, the lowest buy rate Jake Paul has ever done. If I had a guess. Well, I imagine they're probably getting a massive payday to do the fights in Saudi Arabia. That would be my guess. Yeah, I agree with you. You're probably right. Um, but I, I do think because of the time difference, um, just because this fight doesn't have any buzz to me, I, I think this would be his lowest buy rate. But, I, I um, just, I don't know. I, I just feel like in terms of combat sports, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong here. I just feel like kind of the the intrigue of Jake Paul has really seemed to die down. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think he'll pick back up whenever he fights Nate Diaz. It's got to be the opponent. The opponent is the story with Jake. And um, I think people were excited one time with the Tommy Fury fight, but I believe it's already been canceled twice. And uh, Oh, yeah, at least, at least. And, I mean, this is now the third time. And, like, Tommy didn't even show up to the pre-fight press conference, like, two or three weeks ago. This fight came together, like, super quick. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I assure you, if Jake wins and he fights Nate Diaz, I mean, that's all anyone's going to talk about. That's a big fight. And, and, and the buzz will pick back up. Yeah, I mean, to me, the question is, how does, from an MMA perspective, how can the PFL capitalize on that from a boxing perspective? I mean, obviously, you know, they've talked about Jake Paul fighting in MMA, but not till 2024. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure, other than getting some of your talent attached to him and getting some of that rub off of on them. But you know what? I, I remember when I talked to Anthony Romero leading up to his fight on uh, the Challenger Series last week, he had said to me, he's like, look, he goes, man, he goes, Jake Paul's going to, you know, it's kind of paraphrasing what he said, but he was like, hey, man, like you've got Jake Paul essentially promoting your fights now. And whether you like or hate Jake Paul, you have to accept the fact that this guy has got a massive, massive reach in digital media. Absolutely. Absolutely. If he puts your face on his YouTube channel, on his Twitter feed, you become a star. He has helped to elevate Amanda Serrano in the boxing world, who was already one of the best boxers in the world, but he had done a good job promoting her and getting her name out there. He is someone whose his primary job isn't a combat sports athlete. His primary job, as cringy as it sounds, is to be an influencer. Dude, there is, uh, there's a, uh, when I was mentioning, I was at the, the Burt Kreischer show and, uh, we, uh, we were getting some food before the show started. Got a, um, it was called their, uh, smoky nachos for 14 bucks for arena food, a crap ton of food. Couldn't even eat it all. It was so big. Um, wow. and, and there's, there's like, and they were promoting that there's some influencer boxing event. I'm like, Oh my God, this is what we're at. But I'll say this. Like I grew up loving boxing. 
I could I can tell you when the next Jake Paul fight is. I don't think I could tell you another boxing fight. I'm trying to think. Like I just I just pulled up ESPN um, boxing. And so this is under their schedule key dates. So they've got, obviously, this Sunday with uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. Then March 25th will be the next one. Uh, well, isn't, Vegas. Tyson, isn't Tyson Fury going to fight somebody? Uh, I feel like there was something that was talked about with Tyson Fury, but uh, I'm not seeing anything listed uh, here. Um, March 25th, David Benitez, Caleb Plant on Showtime pay-per-view. Um. Shakur Stevenson fights April the 8th on ESPN, ESPN plus Travante Davis and Ryan Garcia is April 15th in Vegas on the zone. And May 20th is Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano on the zone. I saw something well, like the zone costs like $250 a year. Oh, that's rough. I mean, granted I spend like, Probably fifteen hundred dollars a year on UFC pay per views, but still, that is rough. Um, well, I remember when I bought the my last UFC pay per view and I got the notification on Apple Pay. It was like eighty three and change. So if I just said eighty four dollars, thirteen pay per views a year, ten thousand ninety two dollars. I hope it's not ten thousand dollars, Jason. Or uh, one thousand <laughs> ninety two dollars. Feels like ten thousand dollars. It does. It does. Um, yeah, but, but I, I also, but I think it's also that world we live in, in, in this, the way we consume content in 2023 of, I mean, God knows I've got so many damn streaming platforms. Yep. Yep. I do too. G- it, guarantee it it's like, more than, I guarantee it's more than five is definitely less than 10. Yeah. So yeah. like I've got the, I've got the, the Disney bundle, which would be which three, three, three right there. I got Netflix. I've Four. got. Um, Paramount Plus, five, UFC Fight Pass, six. I think that's it. So things that you don't have that I have, Peacock. I actually think I let my HBO Max subscription expire. Okay, I, I have HBO Max, but I get that for free via AT and T Wireless. So that doesn't count. I also have Amazon Prime. Uh, don't we all uh, at this point yeah. don't we all have a okay no the big, bigger question is do you have because of amazon prime video or do you have it so you get free delivery on everything you buy on amazon i, I think the latter and I think that's why so many people have it also don't forget about i don't know if you have it or not but apple tv i don't I, have it i don't it may not it may not be active because i yeah. remember one time i had like I had like the the Apple bundle with, you know, cloud storage and Apple music. I think that was a part of it, but I think I, I well, I need to get back. Cause you know why Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso comes back next month, baby. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're working your way back but, up, but you know, you know, I, I, as I recall, isn't Apple like, I mean, look, and I love Apple. Everything I have is Apple, you know, like I don't want a green bubble coming in my text chain. I just, you know, you know, spend the money, get, get, get an iPhone. Yeah, but I believe Apple Plus they're they're not in the whole hey let you binge watch the entire season one day you have to a new episode comes out every week. You know what? I don't mind that. I like the diversity. I like having the ones I can binge watch, and I also ha- like the like I really like that show The Last of Us, and it's great because it ends on a cliffhanger, and I got to wait a whole week to figure out what happens. And you know what? I'm nostalgic for waiting. 
I am nostalgic for waiting for things, okay? We get things too fast nowadays. We need some time just to do nothing. Clearly, you're not a millennial. You do not have millennial tendencies. I'm trying to fight back against my millennial tendencies. I really am. You know, I struggle, but, you know, I've just, you know, especially as I've, um, you know, I'm training, doing pro wrestling and part of professional wrestling is remembering things for your performance. And uh-huh. um, I've noticed that I don't have a good memory. And maybe that's because I've spent my entire life looking at my phone nonstop and looking at Snapchats and TikToks and 10-second Vines and stuff. And I'm like, crap. Us millennials have crap memories. And it's probably because of our short attention spans. I'm just glad that our technology wasn't around when back when I was in school. Yeah. Like I, I was saying, I was saying about this the other day, like I went to college for marketing and, and mass communications. Like the stuff that I do in today's marketing world was nothing that got taught in college. Yeah. Cause social media exist. wasn't a thing. The best yeah. thing at that point we had is MySpace. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it's really crazy. It, it's scary times. Yeah, but yeah, the internet is forever. Um, you know, the internet is forever, so it's uh, it's worth not posting stupid stuff on there. Look, internet's undefeated, just like Father Time. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. If Father Time doesn't get you, the internet will. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it all catches up to you at some point. The only person that can't get the one person who's undefeated against the internet. I already know what you're going to say. I already know who you're going to say. Dana White. Literally. Dana White. Dude, my wife said something to me the other day. She's like, so did anything happen to Dana? I go, nope. No. Nope. I go, he came out, he made a statement, and that's it. She's like, really? That- like, he's on camera. I go, yeah. I go, yeah. Yeah. I'm still yeah. I'm still amazed by it. I'm still amazed by it. I I don't know how you can consider you, yourself a leader of an organization and let something like that slide. But we have moved on. The world has moved on. Oh, dude, I feel like it has just been forgotten about. That's the world we live in. It's um, it's like crazy. If, I, if I would have told you that, hey, someone's going to f- start a slap fighting league and two weeks before it debuts, they're on film in a domestic violence situation. And then I go and it's all good. Everyone's going to forget about it a month later. You have said you are out of your goddamn mind. Yeah, but also I think we cut. Ca- <laughs> we kind of knew this is how this was going to play out. We kind of did, and it's it's how it played out with Connor. Hell, it's how it's playing out with Javante Davis. Well, by know? the way, speaking of Connor, I love. I, I want to say it was Benil Darhish, just being realistic about it. Going, look, I already know he beats Chandler. He's getting a title shot. Yeah, I was like, yeah. God bless. There is someone in this industry that is understands the reality of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, but hey, you know what? He got himself a big fight, though, against Oliveira. Yeah. That's a hell of a fight, and he deserves it. And uh, I'm excited for that fight. I mean, that's going to be good. I can't only imagine what the grappling exchanges will look like in that scrap. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I want to say that's the May 6th pay-per-view, too. I wanna, I wanna yeah. Say. yeah, that's on the Aljo card. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say the tickets for uh, the Miami show go on sale this week. I, I'm just, I, you know, I'm interested to see how well, how well that does. My I guess it's going to sell. My guess is it'll probably sell it quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. I mean, it's, it's a hot commodity to go to a UFC event, especially if Jorge Masvidal's there. Dude, I can tell you, I know what I was spending for beer Friday night at a comedy show. <laughs> was that cheap? No man, hell, hell, Dude, you I, I got, I got a beer and a water for my wife, and I believe I tipped fifteen percent, and it was like twenty seven dollars. Yeah. Now it's the yeah. it's the big beer. It's not the you know it's it's the twenty five ounce that you get a, at a hockey game, which is nice. But, mm-hmm. So, but I justify like, hey, I just bought two beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you bought two beers for twelve dollars a piece. Great. <laughs> Sometimes you have to find a way to justify it, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Even though I uh, went out Saturday for a birthday and um, a place I've never been to, I go up to, I was like, oh, you have Stella. He's like, uh, we have Corona. I'm like, Stella and Corona are not the same type of beer. No, no, yeah, that person obviously <laughs> has never had a Stella. He goes, person- he, yeah, I was like, and then he's like, uh, we got Coors Light. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I was like, uh, just give me a Jack and Diet. Yeah, it's like, can I have a milk? Yeah, we got Coke. There's um, a re- there's, there is a reason why I realized I really shouldn't drink Jacks very often. Because, uh-huh. you know, they're in a small glass. They give it to you. I just drink it way too fast. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm like you. I'm a big gulper. I'm a big gulper. Man, Jason, you got me in the mood for a cold one. I got I to gotta go to work later, but. Ah. Yeah, yeah. There is no cold ones in my future here today. Yeah. I, I, got, I got crap to do. <laughs> same here. I same here. I got to go work uh, some basketball, but uh, you know, uh, I yeah, I got to make that money to pay for this pay per views I'm buying. So I, I will you tell know. you, Saturday night, a lot of people around the bar watching uh, old McClung go out there and show them how it's done in the slam dunk contest. I saw that man uh, on one screen on the TV. I saw the slam dunk contest on my laptop. I had a Sammy Zayn losing. It was uh, it was an eventful Saturday night. It really was, and hell, we had the XFL um, um, getting launched week one. It seems like a lot of people ha- had that on, and you know, uh, yeah, true story. Had no idea the XFL was starting back up this year. I knew, like, I knew it was coming at some point, but I guess I was like, "Oh, XFL's today! Oh, well, that's new." Yeah, it kind of came off like that too. I mean, I saw like in the morning, I had Good Morning America on, and The Rock was promoting it. But uh, yeah, you know, and then the USFL. Is starting soon, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just on. I don't know who's on what team. I know Bob Stoops is coaching the Arlington team. Look, is uh, look, all you gotta say is, is it NFL training camp yet? I know it's uh, it's uh, it's it's MLB spring training. It is that time of year. Yeah, it is this weekend. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. Uh, I'm going to a spring training game. Uh, the uh, March 11th. Is it gonna? Who are you gonna see? The Rays? Or are you gonna see somebody else? Uh, it is the Yankees and somebody because the Yankees, you know, they they do spring training here in Tampa. Um, yeah. so our buddies are they're Yankee fans. We we always go like to one game a year, and uh, 
um, buddy West text me. He goes, "Hey man, I got the." Uh, we're, he goes, "We can do seat. We can do um, reserve seats or standing room only, where we can just stand at the bar." I was like, "Well, kind of an easy, easy choice." And I go, "What's the difference?" He goes, uh, "There's a forty dollar difference." I'm like, "Okay, all right." He goes, "Standing room only is a hundred dollars. Reserve seats are hundred forty. Yeah, time to stand." <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, we could use that forty dollars on beers <laughs> and Ubers. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Use those forty dollars on three beers. Oh god, yeah, I would imagine it's at least ten dollars for beer. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Then, then I'm actually going to another spring training game later on in the month with my father-in-law. Hell yeah! Well, it's a, it's a good time of year. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Rangers ace doesn't get hurt. Jacob Degrom probably will. But I hope he doesn't. He already has a soreness in his freaking arm. I don't know how, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just you know, I'm I'm back for another year of Buccaneers football in 2023. So uh, as uh, looking forward to that. Uh, July will be here for you, now. It will be. Yeah, yeah. Time absolutely. I mean, it's, hell, it's almost March already. Yeah, February is the shortest month. It's crazy. But uh, hey, you know, we'll be here every week talking about all the stories that mix martial arts, even though this week was surprisingly one of the slowest news weeks we've had in this podcast. I, I will say, I mean, yeah, we had Sydney outlaw, but oh God, no. large, see, uh, now, now you're just throwing karma to the MMA gods. Yeah. I mean, Cause by the time make- I get this thing online, God, I, yeah. I don't even want to say the first thought that came to my mind, but I'm not. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to tempt these MMA gods. You, you over here just tempting them. Like you, I mean, you just over here rooting for chaos in MMA. Hey man, I don't need to root for it. It happens every week. It happens every week, but we shall see. No, 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 no. Did you see the Alex Hernandez um, pre-fight interview last week, like on Wednesday? No, I didn't. So he's talking about being back at fifty-five and the struggles with making forty-five and. Um, these things only happen in MMA, Daniel. He talked about the, you know, um, there were things that would not work in the morning. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He he said that. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. These things happen in MMA. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Well. You know, you never know what's going to come out of a fire's mouth. You really never know. You definitely don't. But uh, that's why we love this sport. Yeah. When, when, I, when, I, when I saw that clip on TikTok, I was like, what? He yeah. said that. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 a, he's an interesting guy. He had a good post fire interview. I, I like him. Nice personality. But uh, I hope he's hope he's having success now. Yeah, in he's that at, um, my understanding is he's taking kind of a big coaching role there at Factory X. Um, yeah, he's been at Factory X for probably <laughs> oh man, two years probably. Um, yeah. Also, uh, Julian Marquez is now at Factory X, so that's another former Glory fighter who's made his way to another gym. So uh, I'm not really surprised there. He actually fights. He's got a fight coming up, maybe next week or two. I want to say he's got a fight. Maybe he's on that San Antonio card. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode. Of course, new episodes come out every Sunday and Wednesday on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com. 